This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke, chapter 19. Beginning in verse 1, Luke chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the the tax-collecting business. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch from there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham. And I, the Son of Man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. When I look at how Jesus interacted with people, I'm always encouraged greatly in my heart. Because Jesus always broke through the expectations of other people to reach out to those whom the world would, for the most part, ignore or reject. Zacchaeus was a man who was working with the Romans. Now, the Jews, they were under the ruling of the Romans, and they were not happy about it at all. Because they were under the ruling of the Romans, the Romans required a tax. And they required that finances be given because they were under the Roman leadership. Because of that, most of the Jews were quite upset with the Romans because of the taxes that they had to pay. And so it wasn't just a Roman coming around collecting the taxes, but it was a Jew. And the Jew was coming to collect the taxes for the Romans. Well, that being challenging enough, what Zacchaeus would do is he would say, oh, you owe a hundred dollars, but 
I want you to pay 120. That's 20 for me and 100 for the Romans. And so Zacchaeus would set his own price. And he would ask for more than even the Romans asked for. And he would go and collect it. And so can you imagine? You're scraping by. You're trying to make ends meet. And along comes someone who is of your own family and charges you more than you would even have had to pay had it been just what the Romans required. So no doubt there was great frustration uh, on part of the Jews when they saw Zacchaeus walking down the street. I'm sure they did not have very good feelings. But Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, this man, Zacchaeus, tried to get a look, but he was too short to see over the people. So he climbs this sycamore tree so that he could watch from there. Now, God, through his Holy Spirit, always does a work in the hearts of those who are willing to humble themselves before him. And it does not matter our past. The God is always looking towards the future. God saw Zacchaeus' heart as he sat up in that tree. And he looked at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus had not sent a letter of invitation to Jesus to say, hey, would you come to my house today? He was simply up in the tree looking and Jesus looked at him and said, I invite myself to your house. And the reason Jesus did that was because Zacchaeus, in his heart, had already opened up an invitation for Jesus to come to his house. The piece of paper, or however an invitation would be given, was not necessary. Because when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he saw a heart that was open, a heart that was willing to be transformed. God sees more than we see. One time, Jesus was walking, and he saw a man under a tree named Nathaniel. And he looked at Nathaniel, and he said, there is a man in whom is no guile. Jesus sees the hearts of people. We see the exterior. See, sometimes we look at people who are in positions that cause other people grief. And especially when it affects us, it can be hard for us to swallow that Jesus actually wants to transform their lives too. And yet, in the middle of that, Jesus is willing to go out of his way to minister to those exact same people if their hearts are open to him. So Zacchaeus climbs down out of the tree and he takes Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But now consider all these people around. They've been gypped by this guy. They've been charged an exorbitant amount of taxes, taxes that they didn't even need to pay, but because Zacchaeus was pocketing the money, and now Jesus says, hey, I want to go to your house. 
Think about that scenario for a moment. Because sometimes that scenario unfolds even in a church setting. I remember in a situation in a church that I served in, a person who had been disobedient to God and had led a life of constant up and down instead of following steadfast to the Lord. This person had not been faithful in various ways. And, um, and when this person came to speak with me about really getting serious with God, I laid out five things for this lady. And I said, I want you to know that if you're really serious about turning to God, then there's going to have to be a heart change. Because on a regular basis, this person would come to the altar and would cry and would be seeking for forgiveness, but then within moments turn around and walk in unfaithfulness again to the Lord. John the Baptist said, the ax is laid at the root of the trees. He said, bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. So I shared that. I said, you know, the Bible tells us that if we're really sorry, we're going to show it by the way that we live. And we're not going to allow the enemy to constantly bring us back to this cycle where we're falling into the same sin over and over again. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2 that God has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. And so we can't blame God for the temptations that we fall into. And so I outlined some things, some reconciliation, uh, steps of repentance and things that needed to be done. I said, you're welcome to be able to take steps of obedience. This person had served in a particular leadership area in the church in the past and had a very bad reputation in the church. And I said, now the, the thing you're going to be working against is everybody knows you. And the things you've done, they've been done publicly. So everybody knows the way that you have been unfaithful. And if you want to be restored, you're going to have to take it step by step and allow the Spirit of God to show the evidence of what you're saying with your mouth is for real. Because you've said it before and it hasn't been something that you've stuck with. And so I said, for the next year, I want to encourage you to simply eat the word of God. Come on out and seek the Lord when we gather for prayer. Seek the Lord as we gather in our Bible studies and, and seek the Lord together with us as we gather on Sunday mornings. And at the end of the year, we'll assess the next step. And that's exactly what she did. She sought the Lord regularly, faithful in every single time we were gathering together. Not doing any ministry, but rather seeking the Lord. At the end of that time, church leadership, we got together and we affirmed that there was evidence that the Lord was absolutely at work in the transformation of this lady's life. And so we began to open the door for opportunity for service. And I said to the lady, I said, one of the things that is so critical to do is to allow the Spirit of God to bring repentance to a completion. And if you are willing, I said, I'm not going to require it, but because of things you had done in the past, everybody knew about. This wasn't something private that was just between you and the pastor, but this was a matter that the, that the community also knew about. 
I want to give you the opportunity to repent before the whole church. And uh, if you're willing to do that, that will be a step of restoration. I said, I'm not going to require it, but if you're willing. And she said, Pastor, I'm willing. So we had a service, and I shared about the prodigal son and how God welcomes those back that are genuinely repentant. And at the end of the service, I invited the lady up, and I said to everybody in the church, I said, now, if you're willing to forgive our sister for the sins that she has committed, her unfaithfulness to the Lord in all of these various ways that you're aware of, then I want to invite you to come one by one and to forgive her with your lips and with your heart. And so step by step, everybody in the congregation came through, gave her a hug and said, Sister, I forgive you in the name of the Lord. It was a wonderful thing because it was God's people and his work in action. But shortly after that, there were two people from the church who came to me. Even after all these steps of reconciliation, the lady was given an opportunity to sing and to minister to the Lord as part of the worship team. And everybody in the church leadership was in agreement. And yet, this person came to me and said, if that lady is allowed to stand on that pulpit or that area, then I'm no longer going to be able to be present in this sanctuary. I'd rather stand in the kitchen. And that's exactly what they did. When the lady was ministering to the Lord, that person would leave the sanctuary and go stand in the kitchen. And I began to pray. I said, God, how do you want me to handle this? Because this person was very also in leadership. And what kept burning in my heart is the scripture that the word of God says that he will show mercy to those who have shown mercy. That he will forgive those who are willing to forgive. But those who are unwilling to forgive, he says that he will not forgive. That's a very sobering thing. Now I believe and I'm a firm believer and there's a process. And that's why we went through it for a whole year. So I said to the person, I said, well, do you realize that there's been a whole process that this person has walked through of repentance and reconciliation? And they couldn't come to grips with the reality that God is in the business of restoration. And within a period of a very short time, that person and their family ended up leaving the church because they were not willing to forgive. All they could remember was the unfaithfulness of the past. Even though the person had now been faithful and repentant before the entire congregation. My friends, if we're not willing to forgive others, we cannot expect God to forgive us. Now I say that in the story with Zacchaeus because these people watching Jesus go to this person's house, this was their thought. How dare Jesus? Go to the house of someone who has taken advantage of me. Now, I want you to think about it in your own life. You know the people who have wronged you. 
the people who have taken advantage of you. Maybe a boss that has been unkind to you. What if Jesus were to visit the house of that person? What would you do? Sometimes it can be hard to swallow. So Jesus goes to this house. And it says the crowds were very displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. When you're following God's plan, there are times when there will be many people upset with you when you are doing what God wants done. So be careful about making decisions based upon taking a poll of how people feel about what you're doing. Can you imagine if Jesus took a poll at this moment? Um, how many are in favor of me going to Zacchaeus' house? Uh, what do you think the vote outcome would have been? Uh, don't go to Zacchaeus' house. I mean, anybody else's house, that's okay. But not Zacchaeus' house. But Jesus didn't ask for a vote, did he? He said, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. I'm coming to your house. And how did Zacchaeus respond? It says, with great joy. Can you imagine Zacchaeus? He knew where he stood with the community. People avoided him as he walked down the street. And yet Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. Why? Because God saw beyond the exterior. No doubt Zacchaeus, because he was a person of wealth, he probably was dressed quite nicely. Dressed well, people knew who he was. He had clout in the area of power in the community. But he was avoided, he was lonely. People didn't want to be around Zacchaeus because he took advantage of people. But I want to tell you that those in your life that may have even taken advantage of you, God still loves them. He cares about them. And he wants them to be saved too. So before you and I are quick to say, Ah, Jesus, I'd recommend you not go over to that house. Because he's taken everybody for a ride, and most likely he'll take you for a ride as well. But God saw deep down in Zacchaeus' heart that there was a need, and there was a hunger, and there was potential for transformation. Zacchaeus, Jesus comes into his house, and listen to some of the first words that he says to Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. Out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. There was something brewing in Zacchaeus' heart, just waiting for something genuine, waiting for something real to respond to. And when he saw Jesus preaching and talking, no doubt something pricked his heart. And he said, I need to be a different man. I need to stop taking extra money from my people. I need to do what is right. 
And the Holy Spirit pricked his heart. And he began to think about what he needed to do. And by the time Jesus walked into his house, he was ready to give away half of his wealth. You talk about transformation. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's more than just saying, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. Because it's the in thing to do. But when you're giving up half your money, it shows that you're putting your money where your mouth is. Because it affects your life. And that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Not only was he going to give half of his wealth to the poor, but he says, and now this is above and beyond. That's cutting 50% off the right there. And then he says, above and beyond that, if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. That's serious stuff. I mean, just think of his bank account. Think of it. Whatever it was, it's at least 50% less. And it says he was notorious. That means that it wasn't an occasional overcharge. It was like regular business. So no doubt the other 50%. If he's giving four times as much, it's probably way down there in what's left. But that's what happens when God changes your heart. It's what happens when God changes your heart. Verse 9, I love this verse. Salvation has come to this home today. Jesus went went to his house so that there could be a life transformation, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And on that day, there was celebration in heaven because in the book of life, the angel was instructed, would you write Zacchaeus down in that book? Most of the people would have avoided that like the plague on the earth. But in heaven, there was great celebration. What you and I see with our eyes is not always what's going on in the heart. And when other people may pass somebody by, Jesus may be just ready to say, I'm coming to your house. I'm ready to visit you. The book of Revelation, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have a meal with him and he with me. Jesus is looking to have fellowship with everyone. Now consider this. I don't know what you've done in your past. Uh, Maybe you have cheated people. Maybe you've stolen money from people. Maybe you've borrowed stuff and never given it back. That's stealing too, you know. No matter what you've done in your past, God provides a way for restoration. I'm so thankful. 
when this scenario was happening at my church some years ago, I was praying, God, God, I want to do what pleases you because I'm going to give an account to you one day. And the Holy Spirit just kept bringing me back to the word of God. That was the only way I could do it. Because otherwise, sometimes if you're just going to go by what people are saying, you get yourself in hot water. So every single step I would pray about, God, show me, guide me, direct me. And the Lord just kept reminding me of his word. And when that family ended up leaving the church, there was pain in my heart. Not just because they left, because I knew the reason that they were leaving. But I foresaw and looked forward to the day when we all stand before the Almighty God. And I pictured the event, thinking of what the Heavenly Father was going to say when that particular person and their spouse stood before the Lord. Because God's word doesn't change. And he says only those who forgive will be forgiven. And see, unless there's a change there, and I'm not being judgmental here, I'm just referring to the word of God, unless there's a change Forgiveness will not, will not be given until forgiveness is granted. And then I begin to think in my own heart, oh God, may I walk in forgiveness. Sometimes it's evident when others aren't, and it just stands out. But I begin to say, Lord, teach me that I won't have that kind of an attitude to reject someone that you receive. And as you're walking to Zacchaeus' house because you're excited to go and see salvation in his home, may I never be the one saying, oh, but Jesus, don't go there. Don't visit that person because you don't know what that person's done. Oh, God knows very well what that person's done. And yet he still wants to welcome them into his kingdom. I'm here to tell you, my friends, today that the reason Jesus came to this world was, as it says in verse 10 of chapter 19 in Luke, I, Jesus said, the Son of Man, have come to seek and to save those like him, the New Living Translation version says, who are lost. Another version says, to seek and save that which was lost. And Jesus came, he came for the souls of men, souls of women, God loves people. My challenge to you from God's word is be careful how you assess people at your job and in your family and in your community. Because even people who appear like they are unreachable, God can reach them. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't turn away from them because God didn't give up on you. He was patient with you. One of the reasons that Jesus hasn't come through the clouds yet is because he is willing that none should perish. And the scripture said that God is not slow concerning his promise as some people consider slowness. But he is long suffering. He's willing that no one perish. And part of the reason that the heavenly father has not sent back his son to return is because 
because there's still a man and there's still a woman who is not yet saved and God is still working. He's working through you. He's convicting by the power of his spirit and he is still reaching out to Zacchaeus's all around this world and he wants them to be saved. He came to seek. He came to save that which was lost. Are we willing to be on board to do the very exact same thing? That's God's challenge to us. And when the crowd is saying, let's go this way, the Spirit of God sometimes will call you in the exact opposite direction. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to minister to the person that other people will avoid? The Spirit of God sees the heart. I love hearing testimonies of people who have prayed long and hard and have cared for and loved people in their family and it seemed like there was no hope. And then all of a sudden, that person's spirit got transformed by the power of God and they became somebody else, a person they never were before. Some of those people are sitting in this room this morning. You were a Zacchaeus at one time. It may not have been taxes that you did the sin on. But what else was it? What else was it? Maybe you weren't notorious because the things you were doing, people didn't find out about. But God knew it all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us in this room this morning. And we all needed Jesus to visit our house. And I'm glad he visited mine. I'm so thankful. And I want to challenge every one of you in this room. Don't allow a religious spirit to get a hold of your heart to where you feel you've walked with God so long that you get the right to tell God where he can visit and where he can't. Because with or without your permission, God will go where he chooses to go. But how much better wouldn't it be if when Jesus said, I'm going to Zacchaeus' house, that you say, hey, I'm going too. Wherever God's going, that's where I want to be. And God will use you. He'll touch the brokenhearted. People that the world rejects. God opens his arms wide to them. And he receives them. The scripture says that we as followers of Jesus will be known by our love. And love is when it's put into action. I believe that God wants to use Christian Life Center to demonstrate his power and for his glory. That's why we exist here in Springfield, Massachusetts. And if we are going to do that, it's not going to happen by simply coming to church and sitting in a comfy chair and hearing a message and coming back again next week. 
oh, it's good to do that, but it's not good enough. You've got to love people. You've got to love people. The scripture says that if we cannot love those whom we can see with our eyes, how can we legitimately say that we love God when we can't even see him with our eyes? So as followers of Jesus, let's not be all talk. Let's have plenty of action mixed in. When we see people that are broken, that we minister to them with the love of God. And how can we do that? The scripture says, it's not that we love God first, but that he loved us first and gave himself for us. So how do you minister to the down and out and the broken and the ones who legitimately have done terrible things? Well, you consider the fact that you've been forgiven as well. That's a good place to start. And you begin to think how God has cleaned your slate. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you been forgiven of anything? I hope you recognize that you have, because once you do, then you begin to recognize that there's someone else that needs to be forgiven too. Yes, they're flat out wrong, and that's why they need forgiveness. They need yours, and they need God's. So when you're walking around Springfield or wherever you live this week and you see Zacchaeus coming down the road, don't cross to the other side. Let him know that God loves him. He may or may not listen. Not all Zacchaeuses are the same. But let him know that God has a plan to forgive him if he's willing to open his heart. And if you convey the message properly, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The Spirit of God is going to send you, as he sent Jesus, specifically to houses of people that are going to be transformed because you went on assignment for God. And you're going to find yourself in the very position Jesus did, where you're ready to do the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and say, Sally, Sue, whomever it may be, they need a conversation of the gospel. And you're going to go over to minister to them. And everything inside of your mind is going to be saying, no, they don't deserve it. They've done all the wrong things. And yet God is saying, yes, they have. That's exactly why they need my forgiveness. Would you go and tell them the message of the gospel? The Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor and even a killer of Christians. And Ananias was a praying man. And he was busy doing what praying men do. He was praying. And in prayer, God spoke. How amazing. There is a man coming to visit you. He is a persecutor and a killer of Christians. You may know him. His name is Saul. When he comes to you, I want you to pray for him. Because he can't see. He's blind. I made him blind for a reason. Partly because I want you to pray for him. So he's on his way. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Ananias, a praying man. 
How would you respond to that? Thanks, God. Any other assignments? And here he shows up, scales on his eyes. Ananias, no doubt, his knees were shaking a bit when he showed up at the door. I, I'd probably do the same. And yet God saw the heart. He saw more than what happened. He saw the heart. And I want you to know that everybody you interact with, God sees their heart. They may be rude to you at work. They may, be, they may lie about you. They may do all kinds of things. But those people need Jesus. And we need to love them. It's not easy. It's messy at times. But with God's help, we can see salvation enter into homes that the world says, ah, that person, they're too far gone. God says there's hope. There's hope for them. Saul was prayed for by Ananias. The scales came off of his eyes. And he wrote most of the New Testament that you read on a regular basis. Because of God's transforming power. God can do that for the people that you know. That have wronged you. Not just someone distant. But someone that has taken advantage of you. God can change their life too. I want to encourage you today to see people through God's eyes. Don't be quick to turn away from people. When there's pain because someone's taken advantage of you, and there is pain, bring it before God. God, I give you my pain. I barely had any money in my account, and along came that man over there. He not only took the taxes that the Romans are, are, are demanding, but he added more to it. He added more pain than needed to my situation. But in spite of that, God, I pray for Zacchaeus that his soul will be saved. That's a hard prayer sometimes. But when we have that attitude, God looks down and he blesses us because the scripture says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Every time you give mercy, you get it back. That's a wonderful boomerang effect. You give it and you get it. So if you want God to pour out his mercy on you this week, find someone who, does, who doesn't deserve mercy and give it to them and you watch what God will do. He'll pour it back upon you. And oh, how I need the mercy of God. I want as much as I can get because I need it. God forbid that I stand in the presence of the Lord on that final day and say, God, would you have mercy on me? And well, Joseph, um, there were these times that I gave you the opportunity to show mercy to other people, but you never did. And so based upon that, I'm sorry, I can't help you out. May that not be. May the Lord review and say, oh, Joseph, I see that here, this person did you wrong and you showed them mercy. And this person over here, they took advantage of you, but you still prayed for them. You didn't allow bitterness in your heart against that person who took advantage of you. And so because of that, yes, Joseph, I will grant you mercy. Oh, praise God.
We don't have to wait till that final day when we stand before God to get ready. That's why we get together on a regular basis. To get ready now. You know what I mean? I mean, why wait till the test to study? Get ready now. And as you prepare, then when you stand before God, the scripture says we will not need to be ashamed. Oh, I love that. We don't have to be ashamed when we stand before God and have walked in. Not that we're proud. Not that we act like we deserve anything. But we don't need to be ashamed because we've been obedient to the Lord. If you close yourself in with the Lord, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, please. Thank the worship team. They stepped in this morning. Pastor Zach and his family have been dealing with some terrible sickness and just were not able to, to come and uh, they just stepped right in and did such a tremendous job this morning. I really appreciate their flexibility. This morning, as you close yourself in with God, I want you to identify in your mind someone that would be like a Zacchaeus. Think about that person for a moment. Maybe you're in this room. And in your heart, you're sitting in the tree. You're saying, oh, I've done so many things that dishonor God. If only God would give me another opportunity. I, I'd, I'd do whatever it takes. I'd get, give half of my wealth away. I, I would return what I've taken from others. And I would return it even four times as much. Maybe in your heart you say, God, I want another chance. I have good news for you. God says to you, I will give you another chance. Jesus died for all the things you did wrong. And if you're willing this morning, he will apply his death to your sin and it will be completely forgiven. You're in this room today and you'd say, I want my sins to be forgiven and my name to be written in the book of life. I want salvation to enter into my home today. I don't want to just be a religious person that goes to church, but I, I want to know God for who he is. I want an active relationship with the living God. It can happen today through Jesus Christ. You're in this room and you would say, Pastor, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus, to surrender my life and to be useful for God's purposes. Would you just simply raise your hand right where you are? I'd love to pray with you. Your name can be written in the book of life today. God sees your hand, my sister. More than that, he sees your heart and yours as well, my sister. Is there anyone else here this morning who wants to make that choice? Your sins will be forgiven and your name written in the book of life.
all across this room, if you would just close yourself in with God. And I want to invite everybody in here who has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, those whose names are already in the book of life, I invite you to join with me as we're going to pray together. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that it is with our mouth that we confess, but it's with our heart that we believe. So friends, if you would all join with me together and those of you who raised your hand as you pray this prayer, mean it from your heart and God will respond to your request. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart and to clean it up Make me a new person and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose from this day forward to honor you with my life, to be obedient to your word. Thank you for hearing my prayer and thank you for forgiving me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. have something for each of you who have made that decision and I will speak with you after the service for just a couple brief moments if I could for all the rest every single one of us in this room as we close out this time together I believe God always sends us out of this room with an assignment God is always in the business of getting things done for his glory. Think about it. What does he want you to do this week? I believe he wants you to do exactly what he did when he came. Seek and save the lost. We started off our service by singing that song, Some Glad Morning I'll Fly Away, right? there are many people who are not ready to fly away anywhere. And that if Jesus could come, should come today, they would be lost for eternity. Many of you have family members that are not walking with Christ. You have people on your job that don't know Jesus. Some people are very confident in the fact that they've got everything under control and they don't realize that it's God who's giving them the very breath that they're breathing. If you're in this room today and you know at least one person who right now is living the life like a Zacchaeus, doing their own thing, manipulating the system to try to make it work for them, even if it means taking advantage of other people. If you're in this room today, and you know somebody who needs Jesus to visit their house and to transform their life. Just before we walk out this door, I want to give you a chance to bring them before the Heavenly Father and to say, God, I pray for their salvation today. If you know one person, I invite you to stand right where you are and we're going to agree together in prayer for that person, be it a family member, a co-worker, someone that lives on the street next to you. 
if you know one person who needs Jesus to visit their house, I invite you to stand right now and I'm going to pray with you. I want you to join with me in bringing their name before the Lord and saying, oh, their name may not be Zacchaeus, but whatever their name is, God knows it. He knows what they've done wrong and he wants to forgive them. And by you standing in the gap for them, you're interceding. And God is going to listen to your prayer. As you stand this morning, you're standing in the gap for someone who right now is not ready to meet Jesus. But we're praying together that there will be a transformation. And I believe you've stood because you believe that God is able to do it. And so I'm going to pray with you. I invite you to join with me in prayer. And let's bring them before the Lord, shall we? Heavenly Father, we acknowledge today that you came to seek and to save the lost through Jesus Christ. We're grateful to come and to sit in this church and to hear the words of life. But we know that the main purpose for which you came was to reach out beyond those who are in the fold and to bring in the one in spite of there being 99 that are safe in the fold. So we pray for that person who is lost today. I pray for the mother, the father, the child, the son, the daughter, the grandchildren, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents. I pray for the co-workers, the bosses. I pray for those who live in the neighborhoods where we live that do not know Jesus. And right now they're walking on the road to destruction. They may not even know it. They think they're doing fine, but they're lost and they need the Savior. I pray in agreement with every single person standing today, Holy Spirit, that you, the revealer of truth, the convictor of sin, that you would reveal the truth to them and that they would be drawn to the foot of the cross. I pray even now that they would recognize that they need you, O oh God. Bring them, I pray, to the end of themselves so that they would recognize that they need to depend upon you, the life giver. I pray for a transformation from the inside out. I pray that even now they would be convicted to know that they need you, O oh God. And I ask for words that you would give us to speak so that they would understand that they are loved by you and that all their sins, though they be many, can be forgiven and completely washed away by the blood that was shed on the cross for every single one of our sins. I thank you for hearing our prayers. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you're doing even right now. The Spirit of God is at work even as we pray right now. He is responding to your prayer. He is listening to you standing in the gap. He is ministering and he's going to set up circumstances for you. Be alert to them and be ready to speak. Be ready to act. God is going to save some Zacchaeuses by the power of his Spirit. Lord, as your vessels, we make ourselves available to say what you want us to say, to do what you want us to do, and to demonstrate love 
the way that you want us to. In Jesus' precious name. And if you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. I'm excited about what God's doing.